This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast from Opportune. I'm Tyler Kern, your host today. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Amy Stutzman. She is the Managing Director at Opportune, and we're going to be talking about ESG, and we're going to discuss what that is, what it means, and some of the broader implications of it in the oil and gas industry. So, Amy, let's start off here. What is ESG, and why does it matter to the oil and gas industry? Yeah, um, so ESG... We go back to basics, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. ESG, uh, or sustainability, refers to corporate activities that would maintain or enhance the ability of the company to create value over the long term. So it actually includes both financial and non-financial aspects of a, of a business. So we're talking about environment, human capital social capital, innovation, leadership, governance, those types of initiatives. And a sustainable business strategy would be a company's plan to improve performance um, along those initiatives and create value over the long term. So why is it important to the oil and gas industry? Well, first of all, um, I think, you know, contrary to what it seems like we read in the news, all the time where you see the industry majors making investments in renewables and green energy initiatives. Um, I don't think sustainability excludes the continued development of fossil fuels. So I think ESG is an opportunity for our industry to tell their story. And it's important to tell that story because there's been a shift in the investment community and ESG impacts access to capital more than it ever has before. So, for example, there's an increase in ESG funds, which are investing in companies that are committed to sustainability, and those um, are tied to ESG ratings. Um, There's also performance-based sustainability-linked bonds and loans, and that market is growing and expected to continue to grow because of investor demand. And just investors and, and consumers Um, as you know from reading in the news, are more focused on ESG risk. So we see more consumers will boycott or make buying decisions based on social issues, as an example. It's just something that's really increased as part of of our culture in general. So it's ultimately impacted the flow of capital. Uh, Institutional investors would tell their private equity firms that they won't provide capital unless ESG requirements are met. And, you know, the most widely discussed example of that is BlackRock, where um, the CEO, Larry Fink, wrote a letter to CEOs earlier this year where he was stressing the importance of sustainability initiatives and reporting and stated that BlackRock would vote against any management boards that aren't making sufficient progress on these initiatives. And there's other investors that have made similar public statements. And then, of course, your private equity firms have followed suit. 
We're seeing and hearing a lot of chatter from the large integrated oil majors about their stated ESG goals and strategies and initiatives, such as investing in renewables, reducing carbon footprints, and so forth. But when it comes to the mid-sized and smaller independent ENP operators who operate on razor-thin margins, what are some things they can do around ESG to differentiate themselves amongst their peers as we head into 2021? So I think the important thing to do in 2021, if you haven't already, is to get started and be proactive in addressing ESG issues and setting a strategy. Um, So we have clients call us, even small producers, and they'll say, hey, my investors are asking for an ESG strategy and reporting. Can you help me get started? So I would anticipate receiving that question. And I think having a response and showing that you're thinking about these initiatives proactively can still be a differentiator, especially for small companies. I think the best way to start is to determine what you're already doing and document it. Uh, look at your peers and see what, what they're doing. And you can also be proactive in engaging with conversations with your investors and other stakeholders in your community to see what are the priorities for them and how how could you address them so then you can start to determine where you have gaps and you know how should you evolve and improve over time what are some of the challenges and opportunities independent ENPs face in the current environment in terms of ESG that may be different from their larger peers and how can they address these challenges effectively in 2021 so as for opportunities I'll start with that again I think that this is an opportunity for oil and gas companies to tell their stories and positively impact the market perception of the industry because, you know, the industry already does so much for the environment and is already giving back to the communities that they work in. Um, It's just maybe not something that's been really tracked or reported. So I think there is a gap in market perception to some extent and what's actually happening. Um, on, on challenges, obviously, one of the biggest challenges is resources, especially for smaller companies. So implementing an ESG strategy and tracking performance obviously takes time and human capital and ultimately financial resources, you know, not only to implement the initiative, but also for getting systems in place to track and report on them. Uh, we're wrapping up 2020, right? And this has been a year in which GNA reduction has been a great focus for the industry given the current market. So how do you address that challenge? I think you smart start small and then scale up over time. From what I'm hearing in the market and from private equity, there's not an expectation of perfection in year one but rather the expectation is that companies are engaging in the issues and showing progress over time. So start small and then grow over time is what I would say is how to address that resource constraint. What kinds of things should mid-sized or small ENP companies do now to tell their ESG story and get involved in the broader conversation? In other words, should they be more transparent with how they disclose their emissions and diversity and governance, financial reporting requirements and guidelines and investor relations and all those sorts of things? So We've already touched on this a bit, but yes, 
Uh, they should be transparent and proactive in telling their story and reporting on ESG. Uh, as for reporting, that's an area that also poses somewhat of a challenge in part due to the fact that there are multiple standards and frameworks currently available and it's just difficult to sort through and understand those. Uh, and you know, the various standards also make it difficult to compare results among peers because there's not really any one standardized way to report on these initiatives right now. The industry is working to address this challenge. For example, there's several trade organizations, including the American Petroleum Institute, uh, the Petroleum Equipment Services Association and others, those are, they're providing resources for their members to help them implement and report on ESG initiatives. Uh, we see most companies using Sustainability Accounting Standards Board or SASB standards, which we like because they're industry specific and investor focused. The SASB standards were developed over time through a formal process that included input from the industry and stakeholders, and it has specific metrics that companies can use to track items such as greenhouse gas emissions and air quality and water usage. What kinds of things are investors and shareholders requiring from independent ENPs in terms of ESG, and what kinds of priorities are emerging for these types of companies? Well, as an example of this, in September, Kimmeridge which is a private equity firm that's focused on the upstream oil and gas sector, uh, Kimmeridge published a white paper that outlined five very specific principles that they believe should be adopted by the companies they invest in. Uh, and those five principles included things like eliminating flaring, reducing and, and monitoring methane and greenhouse gas emissions, and also ESG reporting. So we definitely see our clients in the industry focused on those items. Uh, first, you know, reducing flaring and emissions. Um, and we hear talk amongst, you know, even the smaller companies that there can be relatively cost-efficient ways to do this, such as they're looking at things like replacing old, replacing valves with newer technology and replacing older equipment. They're looking at water usage, considering the volumes produced and what percent of that is recycled. Because of, of course, if they can recycle water produced and then reuse it in fracking, there's an environmental impact there, but also um, an, an economic incentive because they can reduce operating costs. Um, on social, they're focused on employee safety, as well as giving back to the communities that they work in. Uh, this is one area, again, where I think there's a big gap in negative public perception and the positive impact that oil and gas companies and their employees have on their communities. Um, and I know, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma where we have a lot of oil and gas in our state. And so I've seen for my whole life the impact that companies have and just, you know, even simple things like the sheer number of volunteer hours that employees give to different not-for-profits and and social initiatives in the community, which I think is great. Um, as far as governance, there's a focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, which is not surprising given the culture, cultural importance of this issue. And I also see a focus on 
ensuring that ESG is really embedded in the culture and the tone at the top, since that would ultimately drive the success of implementing ESG initiatives and the improvement over time. So maybe said a little differently, it, it can't be just a check the box exercise, but senior management really needs to show that ESG is important and a long-term strategy of the organization. More broadly, what overarching trends and themes do you see occurring in the industry and how do you think it will ultimately define business success in 2021 and beyond? I think next year we will continue to see more companies focus on net zero emissions targets. Uh, That's something that has been trending here recently, in particular in the fourth quarter of 2020. And I also think um, more investments in natural gas, which is expected to play a significant long-term role in the energy transition and clean energy. And I think that the new Biden administration will also impact that. I think it's clear that ESG is here to stay, and I think it will continue to become an ever-increasing part of the conversation that companies are having with their investors. So in 2020, we've seen over time that you know, a larger part of quarterly earnings calls, for example, is being devoted to ESG. And I think that just continues to increase. Um, I think it'll be interesting also to watch how the reporting standards converge and, you know, how that ultimately makes it easier for management investors and analysts to compare performance and evaluate progress, which I think will just have an overall impact on the broader conversation as time goes on. Well, thank you so much to my guest today, Amy Stutzman, Managing Director at Opportune. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of E2B, Energy to Business. We appreciate it very much. Of course, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, make sure to go search the podcast and subscribe today to stay up to date with the latest in thought leadership from Opportune in the oil and gas industry. And of course, we'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.